Here we go. What's up, y'all? I am Chris Chouse, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined by the new Instagram live star, Chris Kennedy. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, man? You know, it's, uh, yeah, we, uh, so it was Monday, and uh, Jake Taylor and I were pretty much filming I- ideas and, you know, brainstorming and doing some content for, I'd say, half of Monday, pretty much from like 10 a.m. until like two or three. And we were getting towards the end and Taylor mentioned, you know, how about we, we try Instagram live? You know, let's, let's try to put more stuff on Instagram and we'll just do it as a test and see how many people, you know, kind of jump in and jump out, may interact or may not interact with us. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point we got up to almost 30 viewers at one point, which was pretty cool for, you know, not promoting it and never having to do it before. Right. Um, so it was a lot of fun. It was great being able to interact with Headliner Nation, answer some some offseason questions, you know, kind of getting people excited for the, uh, you know, for the upcoming season. Uh, it was a very interesting surprise to walk out of the bathroom to see the camera on me <laughs> and then have the whole debate of whether or not I washed or, or did not wash my hands, which I did wash my hands, folks. I'm not that much of a savage. I'm a little bit of a, of a you know, degenerate, but I'm not a savage. Yeah. So. yeah. No, it was good. I was messing around, but it was good, man. It was it was good to see you guys in the afternoon. You know, you're tipping back some beers, some some uh, adult beverages, and mm-hmm. chatting with the people on Instagram Live. It was it was nice. Yeah, it was a nice like relaxed setting. You know, just you know hanging out on the couch in the chair, and like you said, you know having having a cold drink and just just in being able to relax and enjoy some time with the nation. Yeah, man, it was good. It was good. But we got one rule. Before we begin this podcast, and that is we will not mention Sean McVay. We will not mention his khakis. We will not mention Kyle's love affair with Sean McVay. And we'll move forward. I think the people are confused. They might be a little bit confused. And for those of you who may be confused, uh, make sure that you check out the previous week's podcast. And uh, and you might want to tune in for not only the whole thing, but the last like 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, they get they get a little spicy. You'll understand what I'm talking about after you listen to that end. Yeah, but dude, we still got free agency to discuss, man. I mean, there are not mm-hmm. as many signings as it was to kick off a free agent frenzy. Maybe it isn't even hasn't really been a free agent frenzy just yet. I mean, it's been a little bit up and down, a lot of one year deals, but that was to be expected, Chris. I mean, with the salary cap dropping the way it was, this was this was our our thought process from from basically the weeks before it started that one year deals. Right. Hopefully, the 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 ultimately the cap is going to increase probably back over the two hundred million spot because of the TV deals for one plus COVID. We're going to hopefully get some fans back in the stands. But yeah, one-year deals, they're, they're, and, and defense is driving free agency right now. It really is. And that, like you said, with the one thing with the one-year deals is that a lot of these players that are getting these one-year deals, yes, some of them are probably, probably prove-it deals, and maybe that team will want to re-sign them for longer terms going, going in the future. Um, but also, you know, these one-year deals, you're going to see a lot of these players get bigger paydays next season especially with the new TV deal coming out with all that money that's going to be added to the salary cap going forward. And I think that's one thing I know, for instance, the Patriots, that's something you saw a lot with the contracts with the free agency frenzy that they had this year. Mm. Um, The majority of the contracts that they gave to these free agents were for a bare minimum in 2021. And then the bulk of that, of that money was really backloaded into the next two to three seasons because they knew they were going to have that kind of money to play with. And as we mentioned a few weeks ago, that was most likely the thinking that uh, Jerry Jones had when he gave Dak Prescott that huge contract because he knew that that TV deal was coming. So that contract that Dak got wasn't necessarily outrageous or out of the question because the Cowboys were able to justify that, you know, going forward. Yeah. So, I mean, teams are planning. I mean, they're, they're planning definitely the right way. And, and, and the way some of these deals, I mean, very, very uh, low money too. And, and, and you knew that this was going to happen outside of like teams like the bills who are re-signing their own staff, but it's right. It's like the, the AJ greens goes for what, like 8 million bucks, uh, you know, Patrick Peterson for 10 million. And these guys typically in a, in a bigger salary cap, they would have, they would have rolled with some bank, I think uh, over these small and, and low term, low rent deals. I, I think so. Um, though I will say with, you know, a couple of aging players like, like themselves, I wasn't too surprised just to look at the dollar amount. Like maybe they could have gotten a little bit more. Um, 
But I think for them, I, I was almost surprised that it wasn't something more of a longer term deal. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the, the dollar per year might stay the same going forward, but the number of years will certainly increase. I would say maybe, I would say each of them might get a two or three year deal going forward, because again, they are getting up there in age and teams don't really want to show that long-term commitment to somebody who is, you know, 32, 33 years old. Yeah, and we're seeing kind of a transition. So, I mean, let's let's dive into the running backs that signed since the last time we were on. Big one made news. I don't think we discussed these guys on the last show, but it was Kenyon Drake. He goes to Las Vegas to cloud the room with Josh Jacobs. We see a lot of people, you know, they're, they're panicking in fantasy football realms. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're talking about the Raiders on the field, I think this was a fabulous move because Josh Jacobs has been playing injured Basically, since his his time, since he came in as a rookie, he hasn't been able to finish a full season uh, uh, fully upright. I mean, he has been in and out. Um, But I mean, bringing Drake in, this is now we're going to see. I don't know. I don't even know if I want to say an even split, but we're going to see more of a split in this in this backfield this season. I agree. And for those, you know, for those folks that might be freaking out a little bit, especially those Josh Jacobs owners, um, you know, have a bunch of shares of him in Dynasty. You know, let's let's look at, you know, the Cleveland situation, for example, where, you know, two top tier running backs can coexist in the same offense in the same backfield and still produce from a fantasy football standpoint. Now, as you mentioned, Josh Jacobs absolutely has had his injury concerns. So has Kenyon Drake Mm -hmm. Um, They both can, you know, act as a receiver out of the backfield. So they have similar skill sets. um, But I think that it's from a football standpoint for the Raiders. I think it's a phenomenal move. I do understand from a fantasy standpoint perspective where things might get a little bit dicey. Um, but I, I would say maybe something like a 60, 40 split, you know, in favor of Jacobs is something that they could look at. But again, you know, you don't bring a guy like Kenyon Drake in just to, just to handle third down roles. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, I, I actually, I like that because we, we preached a lot about Chubb and hunt being able to coexist and be fantasy viable in that backfield. This could be like, you're saying a, a very similar situation because the the two of them together now they both have very similar traits i don't want to say they're exactly the same running back but like i said they can do the same thing so it, it makes them more multi-dimensional when you see a jalen richard in the backfield you know it's likely a passing down they're not they're right. not typically going to run but now if you have drake in the backfield you have jacobs you don't really know what they're planning to do and i think that goes into part of the genius of the signing and if this Raiders offense gets moving, I mean, you know, there's a lot of lot, a lot to like in here outside of the offensive line that has been dismantled. I agree. I, I, I won't lie. I was a little bit surprised that they decided to go after a running back as opposed to maybe, you know, more of a more of a more of a top tier wide receiver. But mm-hmm. I will say that I can't I can't hate the signing. You know, the Raiders, you know, they, they have the money that they have and who knows. We'll see what they do in the draft. Exactly, exactly. Another running back that latches on with his former club, Chris Carson, man, this kind of shocked me a little bit. He goes back to Seattle. I mean, the market likely wasn't that big for for these running backs, especially at the money that he got in Seattle. Um, Are you shocked at this one? I mean, I I kind of I'm I'm sort of in limbo on my opinion. I'm, I'm a little bit shocked, but kind of not because, you know, he has a familiarity with the team. I'm actually, I'm, I'm very surprised. I honestly thought that it was, it was all but done that he was going somewhere else. Um, I do like it again, from a fantasy football standpoint, because as we've heard from the Seahawks, they want to try to run the ball a little bit more. You know, they felt like they, they didn't really focus on the run enough this past season. So I think that's great news for, for Carson, all of those Rashad Penny uh, truthers out there that were just banking on him finally becoming that RB one. You're not to wait, <laughs> you have to wait a few more years for that, but Um, I, I certainly don't, I I don't mind the move for, for Seattle, honestly. I mean, we know what Carson can do. We know what he's capable of. Um, it's just gonna be a matter of, you know, can he actually stay healthy Mm -hmm. and is he going to be able to hold onto the football? You know, it's the health and it's the fumbles that were really the big issues, but if they do commit more to the run, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, and then maybe it's a, maybe it's a similar trend there. We we see a, a more 50-50 split. Keep Carson healthy, keep him out of the medical room while you bring Penny along, and hopefully he does some damage as well. 
Um, yeah, I don't hate it. I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's, you know what it does for me, it just, it brings the same level of, of what we expect from Chris Carson and, and he's a good back. I don't mind him. I liked when they had him at the first two weeks last season, they were integrating him in the past game as well. I want to see a little bit more of that. I think that would be Mm -hmm. a, a massive benefit. And then that would increase the value to ADP where you would be drafting Chris Carson, uh, come this, this summer. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't dislike it. I don't dislike it. What about Jamal Williams, man? Jamal Williams and, and Kyle ranted a little bit. Uh, he, he went off on this signing. He was not happy. But Jamal Williams, he goes to Detroit. And, and maybe we did. Did we touch this one? I don't think we touched this one. Um, I think we did a little bit. I don't know how, how in-depth we got with it. Um, but, uh, but those who had seen Kyle's YouTube video know, know his feelings on the, on the subject. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. But we'll move on from him then. Let's go to Philip Lindsay because the Houston Texans, man, they are going crazy. What are they doing? You have Deshaun Watson. Okay, you got legal trouble coming out to Wazoo now. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you can find a trade partner anymore until this legal stuff gets gets finished, if it does, before the season begins. But they are loading up on every free agent, it seems, at the wide receiver and running back position. They signed Philip Lindsay. They got Mark Ingram. They got David Johnson. Like, Chris, man, help me. Are these guys going to be playing quarterback over over Watson this year? Is this what is this what they're doing? It's kind of like that 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 gif from the office when Michael says, you know, explain this to me like I'm five, Mm. because I would love it if someone could explain these offseason moves by the Texans, because I honestly don't know if they're if they're actually improving. I mean, if anything, I mean, I don't think they're backtracking, but they're just moving laterally, to be honest Mm. with you. Um, You have David Johnson. You decided not to retain Duke Johnson. He went out and signed Mark Ingram. Now you have Philip Lindsay. This obviously shows to me that they're not expecting Deshaun Watson to come back as their, their starting quarterback in 2021. So they went out and they signed Tyrod Taylor. So this shows me that they're looking to be a run-focused, a run-heavy team, which is absolutely fine when you have a good defense. Sure. This defense for the Texans is absolute trash. And that's me being nice. I'm trying to be polite about the whole thing here. It's absolute hot garbage. So if you want to be a run-focused team, that's fine when you're actually leading for most of the game. But this is going to put so much pressure on Tyrod Taylor and those receivers, and especially that offensive line, which has finally, finally started to improve and get to a respectable level. Sure. Because they're going to have to throw their way back into a lot of football games this season. And, and okay, I'm not, I'm, you know me. I know Tyrod's game. I mean, I can I can tell you every ounce of Tyrod's inability, and I and it's no disrespect on Tyrod because I like him. I do. I wanted to like him, and it's just you know what it is. It, his 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 inability to throw over the middle is going to crush this team, and and when you're bringing in uh, the Brandon Cooks, like that that could actually work in favor of Tyrod Taylor because he's such a fabulous deep ball thrower and there's no kidding mm-hmm. I mean if, if you guys don't know go and check out Tyrod's deep balls because I mean they are uh, and I didn't mean to say it that way but hey you know we said we want to talk about Kyle and Sean McVay yeah you know <laughs> now we're talking about deep balls but hey he does throw a good long ball I guess I should say and and I mean th- that could work in Brandon Cook's favor but I just don't understand how this is going to play out with a three-headed monster in this backfield especially with Philip Lindsay like his skill set is very unique in the sense that uh, can you use him really as a three-down back I think we kind of did see a little bit of that he is the two-down guy or else you use him in the pass game Yeah and I and I like Lindsay quite a bit I really do sure. I like his skill set I just don't understand the the need for David Johnson, Mark Ingram, and Philip Lindsay on top of that. Like I said, you know, if you're looking to become a run-heavy team, you have to have the defense to help to back that up. And right now, they just don't. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it whatsoever. Don't like it. It's going to be a headache. And as of as of uh, today, where I'm standing, I'm saying, stay the hell away from this backfield mm-hmm. fantasy yep. football. Marlon Mack, he goes back to the Colts. And I found this to be a little peculiar. I get it. Every team needs depth. They're looking to back up, you know, everyone they have. But, you know, does this really truly affect what we believe Jonathan Taylor is going to be? Because I think Hines, Naheem Hines has basically carved out his role. He's going to continue to move forward, I think, in this offense. Carson Wentz, much like Phillip Rivers, is a is a is a lover of throwing the the passes to the running back. So I don't I don't foresee Hines getting uh put to the bench over Mac for a majority of the time. But now it's, now it's a question. Do we say it's JT versus Mac or, or what are we thinking here? 
No, I'm still, I'm still believing that this is, this is JT's role, to be honest with you. I mean, if they really wanted to commit to Marlon Mack, if they really thought that he was going to have, you know, a similar role to what we thought he may have had last season, they wouldn't have signed him to a backup running back kind of a, a deal as far as money's concerned. You know, it was one year, it wasn't a lot of money. So I think it's, it's really just for insurance. I think it's depth, it's insurance in case JT goes down. I mean, heck, we saw it last year, Marlon Mack, first game of the season, out he went for the rest of the year and JT stepped right on in. So Hines again, yeah, he's that satellite back role, you know, third down passing work, but I'm, I'm not too concerned about Jonathan Taylor's role. I do think that Mac is just in there, you know, as a, not, I'm not saying that he's not going to see the field, but I will say he's going to have more of a, a more of a Jordan Wilkins role from last year. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and that's okay. And I mean, even if it is an uptick from Jordan's role, I mean, this is where it changes for me is if they add another wide receiver to this group, if mm. they add someone, then I think you're going to see a lot more Jonathan Taylor than you would both Mac and Taylor, because if, if, if they roll with the same type of core that they have right now, depending, I think we could see a little bit more balanced offensive approach where they do run the ball a lot more, kind of give Carson uh, a little bit of support in that respect free agents still remaining on the board we got some big names on this board still chris james connor why is this man not signed yet I, I'm, I'm baffled i don't get it it's interesting too because i mean last year wasn't his fault you know pittsburgh made a, a conscious effort not to run the ball you know they really wanted to just just throw as much as they possibly could you know i know he has has had injury concerns in in past years but this is a guy who should still be getting you know as much money as some of these other running backs are getting now, again, maybe it's because the market just isn't there and he feels like his worth is more and he wants to wait it out until he gets, you know, a, an offer that he, you know, he feels is worth it. But I mean, there aren't many other, there aren't many openings and opportunities out there to be an RB one for, for a current team. So I don't know exactly what he's waiting for, but he is somebody that a team definitely should be looking to pick up. And I think that they'll be able to get him on the cheap. Yeah, and there's teams that do need backs. I mean, the Dolphins come into play, even though they did pick up another one. But I mean, you got the Jets still; they need another one. The Bills need one. I like if 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 uh, James Conner goes to Buffalo, and I know it sounds like I'm always talking about my Bills, but I mean, I'm removing fandom completely out of it. This is a good role if you put John uh, James Conner on that Bills offense. But it, it is surprising to me. I think the 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 deal would be somewhere in the realm of like one year, five and a half, six million dollars. But yeah. he's still good. He's still good enough. I mean, yeah, injury concerns aside, um, he's still good enough when he gets the ball in his hand. Are you kidding me? I mean, if you give him the same or, or even lesser money than what Marlon Mack got, mm. I'll take that all day. Absolutely. All day, all day long. I'll, I'll gladly, I'll gift wrapped it, man. We'll send the plane yeah. and, and you come into the locker. We're good. Leonard Fournette, man. Leonard Fournette. What is going Uncle on? Lenny. Tampa, Uncle Lenny. He's still on the open market. So this is the one thing about Leonard. And, and it's funny because he is the youngest elderly running back I think I've ever seen in my life. And that's how everyone kind of views him. Like he's already past the expiration date. You know, there's not much tread left on the tires. Like, and, and what is he, 25, 25 or 26 years old? I mean, this, this to me is just unbelievably staggering i can't even compute this in my head well that's why he's, that's why he's uncle lenny you know he's already he's already he's bald he's got the, the big bushy beard he's uncle lenny um yeah i mean tampa just seems like a great fit for him you know he had a great role with with the bucks last season you know he was one of the main reasons that helped them you know throughout the season into the playoffs super bowl um i don't understand what he's waiting for either i was i'm almost thinking that he thought okay well i had a, a maybe not a bounce back season, but a pretty darn good season where I could get a bigger payday. And mm -hmm. that just hasn't come yet. I think what that's what some of these bigger name running backs and players in general are waiting on is for this bigger contract. But the market has already been set for a lot of these players in these positions. So I'm not sure what kind of leverage they actually think that they have at this point. And if they're Cause, waiting, because as, as we get closer to the draft, that's that it. leverage that's just going. shrinks to absolute nothing. That's exactly where I was going. I mean, it's one mind here, people. Um, if, if they don't sign this contract before the draft, I mean, you're, you're out the door and now you're going to be scrambling and waiting for a, a running back room to see injuries before you're going to get a contract. And speaking of that is Le'Veon Bell. I mean, we have to believe that if he's not taking like a two and a half to $3 million contract on a one-year deal, he might not play this year. You know, what's crazy is he's literally 
three years, three seasons removed from being a top five running back in this league. Right. Three years. Like he sat out the one year, then he went to the Jets, you know, and then he was finally let go from them. And I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, why is he all of a sudden he just, why is he not the same player as he was before? What changed? Was it the system in Pittsburgh? Maybe. Um, but for a team not to pick him up right now is just, it's mind boggling. I mean, you, you, you mentioned, you mentioned your bills, you know, mm. maybe, maybe go back to the jets. You don't have to worry about Adam Gase anymore. That was the reason right. why you wanted out in the first place. You know, the dolphins are, are a great option as well. I mean, there's so many other teams out there that could use somebody of his, of his talents. I just, I, I don't know. It's I, I'm almost at a loss for words because I just can't believe that it's, it seems longer than it has been, but literally just a few years ago, he was winning you fantasy football championships. Yeah, it's, just, it, it's mind boggling. I just I, I really struggle to understand this. I mean, even if we're talking about teams like even the, the Atlanta Falcons, for example, I get it. The Todd Gurley thing didn't quite work out the way you wanted. And you're going to bring in another maybe uh, overutilized back and the, and the same is going to come to fruition. But I mean, San Francisco comes to mind as well. I mean, they, they don't have Jarek McKinnon anymore. I mean, you could utilize bell, but yeah, I don't, I didn't like his game when he went to Kansas city. It didn't look uh, fresh. It didn't look like he was really interested. The, the legs looked like they were gone. So, yeah, I mean, outside of really a, a bottom feeder deal, I think we could, we could almost be seeing the last of Mr. Le'Veon bell. Yeah. That's, that's kind of scary to see. And, and I know you, you, you mentioned earlier that you don't like to always talk about your bills. Like I don't, I don't mean to keep harping on the new England Patriots, um, but where they lost James white, you know, James white is still a free agent right now. He's right been linked there. to Tampa Bay and maybe that's why they haven't gone out and signed resigned uh, Leonard Fournette. Cause maybe they're waiting on, on James white, but with the Patriots, you know, they have their quote unquote pass catcher in, in sexy Rexy Burkhead. But I mean, if you, if you told me that they could have Levy on bell, for next to nothing, then I'd say uh, Rex will just enjoy that, that pine over there. You take a seat. Enjoy the pine. And you know, Bill Belichick likes Lev. I mean, he always talked up his appreciation for Mr. Le'Veon Bell, but it is interesting. Something to watch over the next couple of weeks. That's for sure. Jarek McKinnon and Duke Johnson. These guys are a very similar trait, very similar mm-hmm. skill set. They're still out there. I'm a little bit shocked with this because they are, like you say, in kind of the satellite back type of deal. Duke, we've we've discussed our, our, our appreciation and love for Duke Johnson, but I mean, has he ever been given a fair shake in the league uh, to how he should be used? We're, we're of the opinion that that's a no. Um, but these two guys are very interesting characters that I think could still give something to an offense, especially in the past game. I completely agree. I mean, heck, Duke Johnson hasn't been given a real chance at a, at a, at a decent NFL workload or I'm sorry, just workload in general since college, since he was at Miami. I mean, we haven't seen him really be at lead back since then. He's always been treated as yeah. An RB one that was maybe, you know, just a, a two down back or, or that RB two that was there for a satellite role for third down and passing work. But am I saying he should be a three down back? No, but I do think that he deserves a hell of a lot more than 150, you know, ca- carries in a season. This is somebody who needs at least 200 carries and also gives you work in the passing game as well. He is that dual threat and he's not a small guy. You know, he's not like oh. this frail frame that can't take a, a heavy workload. He's shown that he can do it. So I just think he needs to go to the right team to give him that opportunity. But unfortunately, you know, a few years into the league and he hasn't gotten that chance yet. It's going to be, well, when the heck is it going to actually happen? Yeah. And you know, I'm, 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 I wish the Eagles had money in this case, because I think Duke Johnson would be fit in very well there. I think it's a, it's, it's a similar skill set, but not to the same degree as miles Sanders. I think Sanders obviously is, is, is light years ahead of him in the running game, but, but I think it would be a great compliment. No disrespect to Boston Scott and company, but I think uh, uh, they need to get him on a roster. That's for sure. Speaking of, Older running backs, Todd Gurley. Is this the end for him as well? And I never would have thought that we would have seen Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley in the same conversation in 2021. And, and we're sitting here saying that these two guys, and they were they were looking to be future Hall of Famers. I mean, Chris, this is this is this is unbelievable what is going on. And we're sitting here saying that these two guys could be out of the league potentially in 2021. That is uh baffling. Yeah. And again, we are what we're, we're just four years removed from when the, uh, when the Rams played the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and Todd Gurley was, you know, a top three running back in the league. So this is another situation where you have a top running back in the NFL 
who very well, for the most part, I mean, I don't want to say he's, he's not going to get picked up at all, but he's becoming an afterthought, unfortunately. And, and, I, and I hate it. It sucks because the majority of it is because of that arthritic knee, you know, he just can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field. And I, you hate to see it for somebody like him, but if you can't stay on the field, man, I mean, you're just, what role do you really have? That's it. That's it. I mean, he was a, he was a complete liability and it's unfortunate. I mean, so much work, so much glory and in, in, in LA through college. And, and now is just, this is why man, the running backs want to get their money. And, and Todd Gurley is going to be the poster boy for that. And when everybody, everybody says when they're renegotiating their contracts at the position, look what happened to Todd Gurley. He balls out. He gets the one contract. They cut him. He gets his guaranteed mm-hmm. funds, but that was it. It was one contract in the NFL and he is done. And, and yeah. I get it. I mean, from that perspective, you know, I, I like to argue back and forth when we start talking about ownership and player status and, and who has it better or who needs to be betterly uh, compensated and who's got more power. And it's like, it's always such a great conversation because I'm kind of on, on both spectrums. And in this case, it definitely sides with the player with Todd Gurley because, you know, he got kind of a raw deal. You want to say, you know, they, they ran him into the ground. He was a, a, a league leading running back. I mean, top notch elite talent. He gets what, what did he get? It was like 40 million bucks. I think it was like 25, 30 guaranteed or something like that. And, and now, mm-hmm. it's done. now it's done. And and look at the same situation with Le'Veon Bell, you know, had his, his great run in, in Pittsburgh. And when he wanted that money and Pittsburgh wasn't ready to, renegotiate with him and he sat out that year everyone was saying how selfish and you know how arrogant Le'Veon Bell was and how he should just you know man up and play for the team and take what they give him blah 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 blah. well no like he's gonna play for what he feels he's worth and if he feels like Pittsburgh isn't you know respecting that worth his value then he I completely agree with what he did as far as sitting out because he did then get paid in New York and then for whatever reason he just hasn't been the same player because imagine if I mean, heck, imagine if he did take less money. Now, granted, still a lot of money, but say he did take a, a, a lot less money. Who knows what would have happened after that? So I'm, I'm perfectly okay with players going out there to trying to get theirs because let's be honest, ownership out there is absolutely doing whatever they can to put more money in their own pockets. Absolutely. And, and here's the argument. Let's stick to this because I like this topic a lot. And it, it's because the dynamics of understanding that this is a business. Okay. And it's a both ended business. The owners are the ones who are funding the franchise and, and they're the ones that put up their own dollar to, to, you know, pay for everything, pay the salaries, pay the uniforms, everything, etc. They are the ones on the hook. Okay. Yes. Then the argument comes, but the players are the product. Okay. And I agree. They are the product, but you can't have one without the other. And I think this is, this is the marriage that everybody needs to understand. And then when, when I hear how many times on Twitter, you know, when, when a, when a player gets franchise tagged for especially more than one year, they're up in arms saying, Oh my God, you know, they got to get rid of this franchise tag. You know, it's not fair. And the player's getting screwed. And, and this is the funny thing. So it's, it's because you're trying to hold that value. That value is, is balanced on the, on the top five salaries in the NFL. So the compensation is still there. Look at a guy like Kirk cousins, for example, he made the majority of his money and his wealth off the franchise tag because Washington tagged him so many years. What did he make? Mm -hmm. Like $60 million in three years. I mean, no quarterback was making that kind of money back then. But then on the flip, you talk about Le'Veon Bell and he's saying, I'm going to hold out because you're not funding me at my value and my worth that I see. And I agree. And this is why this game is so interesting and the the dynamics are back and forth and why we see careers cut short because of this back and forth play. The the team is going to evaluate you a certain way. The player is going to evaluate himself that way. And and you're just going for the dollars. That's that's basically it. So you can't fault either side. No, I mean... And, and you, you honestly can't because, you know, players want to, they want to get what they're worth, what they feel that they're worth. The owners are going to pay them what they think that they're worth. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes they're able to meet in the middle and come to an agreement. And other times, you know, unfortunately we see situations like with, with Le'Veon Bell where things don't work out the way that you want them to. And, and again, the whole thing kind of goes back to the same issue with the, when Deshaun Watson, you know, was first said that he wanted, he wanted to trade. And whether it was him that said it or his agent, you know, it came out that Sean Watson wanted to trade. And that's when Texans fans got all up in arms about how he should just honor his contract and this and that. And the argument on the other side, okay, well, how about owners who don't honor the contracts that they gave that player, you know, whoever it may be. And there was a, there was an argument that I got on Twitter with somebody about 
well, the owners are the boss and the players are the employees. So it was pretty much like what he was telling me was the, the employees should just shut up and do whatever the, you know, their employer tells them to do, mm-hmm. which I think is a, just an absolute load of crap. Right. I mean, if, if, if my boss tells me to do something, am I going to do it? Yes, ab- absolutely. But if I am given, if I'm maybe not promised something, but if I'm told, you know, by my organization that I'm go- a, a certain plan is, is set in place to make sure that, you know, I'm being supported and right. that I'm being set up for success. And then years, you know, one, two, maybe three years down the road, keep on going nothing happens like this team, you know, my, my team, my situation hasn't gotten any better except financially for me personally. Right. I'm going to be kind of pissed off because yeah, I'm making the money that I want, but at the same time, like I want to win a damn football game. I want to ring. I'm playing in the NFL because I want to win a super bowl, or at least I want to go to, I want to go to a freaking conference championship, let alone a, a super bowl mm-hmm. you know, game. So I understand it from both sides. I really do. Well, I try to understand it from both sides because I've never been in either of those situations that these people are in. (laughs) I never will be, but you try to play devil's advocate with this because you try to see, you know, both sides of the coin and I can understand how it is frustrating from both sides. The one thing I will say is that with fan bases, they take it a little bit too personal because they take it as, okay, well, I need to stand up for my team more so than that player who doesn't want to play for my team anymore. And I think you need to remove yourself from that situation and remove yourself as a fan and kind of kind of look at it from from the outside looking in and try to try to see both sides of it. Yeah, the objective outlook. I mean, you you got to see it from both angles, because those ones that want to criticize the players for not honoring their contracts and then they applaud the ownership for for cutting useless contracts to get the salary cap up. I mean, you can flip that both ways. So then now you can argue the, the point of saying Deshaun didn't honor his contract when the team uh, financially backed Deshaun and and gave him a big deal. I mean, Deshaun's just coming up because in the in this argument because of his deal, the trade request, and everything that's going down. But but I mean, this is this is part of the business, man. And 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 when I see even certain players argue the fact that you know they're not happy with ownership and etc. Okay, but this is the thing. You have to understand even where, where you belong, right? You're getting paid. And, and if you're not happy with those situations, do it like Deshaun did. Request a trade or ask for a release. We've seen these teams do it many times. If you believe yep. your value is at that certain level, go for it. I mean, that is your prerogative. But I mean, this is the thing. If, if you're going to see either one belly aching that something isn't quite fair, you're both playing both sides of the coin. And and, and you can't be hypocr- hypocritical in this situation. But I just find it to be a great, great uh, topic of conversation. Uh, in general yeah. and i and one thing to kind of add on top of that is some of these players that are saying okay well you know you're not putting a team around me and it's like well we could put a team around you except you decided you wanted to be one of the highest paid players at your position mm. so financially we're kind of handcuffed and you could look at deshaun watson with with you know the, the houston texans you can most recently look at dak prescott with the dallas cowboys how the hell are they supposed to improve their defense when you just got paid more than any other quarterback in the league? Exactly. And then, of course, you go back to the tried and true Tom Brady, who year after year takes less money so that he can make sure that the team around him is a championship level team. They were able to bring the band back together in Tampa Bay because Tom Brady was able to take less money to restructure that contract and it opened up more money for other players to come back and return. And that's such a great point because even taking away the Tom Brady always doing what Tom Brady does. This is the funny thing. So you have the one, he's the anomaly when it comes to these contracts, which is very funny to me. The goat in the NFL history is, Mm -hmm. is the anomaly when it comes to contract situations in, in his career. Every other quarterback, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight quarterbacks because they're the highest paid in the NFL it's almost like an arms race, so to speak. It's, it's, if I sign this deal today, Chris, and I, and I'm getting a hundred million and you're the quarterback coming up right after to see my value, you're asking for 120 million. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what does it really do? Is it really that much excess when you hit a hundred million dollars that, you know, that extra 20 is going to set you off onto the next big thing. I mean, come on, this is, this is what Tom Brady understands is that, Hey, you know what? 40 million and 50 million in, okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm speaking out of turn because I don't make that kind of money, but I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in football terms, 40 and $50 million 
isn't a big difference over the lifespan of your entire career. So why wouldn't you, you know, shave off a little bit of salary to help your team improve? And I think a lot of it is it comes into ego and it comes into pride. You know, a player wants that extra money because they want to be seen as the best. If I get paid the most, that means I must be the best. And if I'm not getting paid the most, and that means my team doesn't value me as much as they may value, you know, quarterback a over in on the other team, because he gets paid more money than I do. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, like, I know Tom Brady is the anomaly. We haven't seen this from any other quarterback, you know, any other high profile quarterback, you know, for as long as I can remember that just continuously would take less money to make sure that his team is, is for the better around him. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's for the betterment of everyone. He's getting paid millions of dollars. He's winning super bowls. He's putting on records. I just, I don't get it. I like it. And he's still, he's still making plenty of money, you know, Exactly. and it does, it doesn't hurt that you're, married to like a, a billionaire supermodel, you know, yeah, fair, fair enough. So, so that also helps when you have that financial aspect on the other side, but even before Giselle, he yeah. was still doing this. Okay. Sure. Pre Giselle, Tom was still taking less money and restructuring his contracts. Now, granted Tom was still getting paid. Let's not, let's not make it seem as though he wasn't making any money throughout his sure. career. It was just restructured in a way where it was either a lot more bonus money or it was more back ended uh, as far as, you know, he was getting paid later on his career. I mean, he's making forty one million dollars in twenty twenty one. All right. Mm -hmm. So he's still he's still getting his. But living a good life. But it did take him a while before he finally was able to get that money. And that was one of the bigger reasons why he didn't go back to New England outside of the fact that the relationship between he and Belichick was all but kaputs. You know, it was the fact that he wanted a certain dollar amount and New England wasn't willing to get up to that that number. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's such an interesting topic because it's 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 like Moneyball. I mean, when you watch the movie Moneyball, when when uh, I forget his name, but he says, you know, the the baseball thinking is medieval. And and this is the same thing. You're you're thinking of it in a backward sense. What do you really value? So then that's the thing. You know, when we go to the combine, me and you, we like to scout players. And and part mm-hmm. of the part of the whole purpose is to understand the character of a player. And that is something that NFL teams still cannot do. You cannot evaluate the character of a player because they're coached up to tell you what you want to hear. And, and now you are sitting there trying to understand what this player is and how he's going to carry himself over, say, five to 15 years in the NFL. And, and, and when you're thinking about how these guys, they want to get their money, they want to take care of their life, their life after football, I completely understand that because football life is very short. But uh, it, it's an archa- archaic thinking. If, if you're sitting there saying, I want a five-year deal worth 140 over say a four-year deal at 80 i mean i don't think you're going to be set up worse off and you're going to be able to win football games is is kind of the point in the direction where i'm taking this can i give you a a little since we're we're coming up on the nfl draft in about a month Mm. there was a scene in the movie draft day which i it's i think it's one of the one of the best awful movies that you'll watch all right of course yep and there was a scene when where uh, where Sonny Weaver was trying to find anything wrong with the supposed number one pick in Bo Callahan. He wanted to find whatever he could because everyone was in love with him and no one could find anything wrong with him. And a story came out where teams sent all these players, their playbook, and then they had to send them back the playbook and whatnot. And, you know, they would ask them questions about it later on in their meetings. And there was one team that would put a hundred dollar bill at the very back of each playbook that they sent these players and uh, and Bo Callahan pretty much lied and said, Oh yeah, I read the playbook, blah, 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 blah. Never even mentioned the hundred dollars. And then the, the current at the time quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, I believe his name was uh, Brian drew was his name. And the story on him was not only did he read the playbook, but he sent the hundred dollars back and with a little note that said something like, like give it back to me once I win you a Super Bowl or something like that. Like that's, that's character. That's That's exactly what character is. And you cannot, it can't be coached. You can't see it on film. It's just something that you have or you don't have. And it's, it's very tough to, to, to scout that or to gauge that. It's very difficult. And, and I've been trying to even find like everyone loves analytics. Everyone loves some kind of marker you can put on these guys. It's, it's impossible. I mean, 
unless you really understand people and, and, and I feel I'm in that realm. I understand people. I can have a conversation with you for an evening and I can, I can, you know, not necessarily tell you what you're all about, but I can pinpoint similarities and I can pinpoint things that, you know, I think that you could be or could become. Um, but that's that's impossible, man. This this is the human factor of football, and this is why a first round pick can bust, like uh, that offensive lineman who just got sent home after being traded from Tennessee to uh, Miami. Isaiah Wilson. Thank you. That's yeah. What what a, what a crapshoot that that situation has become. I mean, that's exactly the point. I mean, he gets paid, he gets drafted, he's played his entire life, likely from from a youngster all through college, and and you know. To his to his uh, 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 reasoning, I mean, for lack of a better term, he wanted to do what he wanted to do. And that's fine. I mean, I'm not sitting here judging the guy, but but I mean, that's the character issue that he wanted to just live life. Now he got his his rookie pay and he's good. He wants yeah. to just go and explore his life. Fine. But I mean, this is this is what football is. It's very difficult. And, and we got on the character trait and I don't even know how, but that's what we're talking about. I, I'm right there with you. And the, unfortunately, Mr. Wilson, his actions, you know, he played himself out of the league. He, he very well will not get a play another down or pick, be picked up by another team ever again. And he's only what 22, maybe 23 years old. Yeah. Just uh, if I'm going to speak based on how I feel, I think it was a poor life decision. I understand yep. why he may would, he may wanted have had uh, done it, but I, but I think it's a poor life decision. Let's get back to these free agents, Chris, because we still have a wide receiver group that I want to discuss. And, and the first one is Mr. Kenny Galladay. I'm a little, a little bit upset about this one. I wanted to see him go to a better club than the New York Giants, but then I kind of bite my tongue on that one a little bit because I do like what the Giants are currently building. I mean, yeah. how can you not, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you have this offense now, okay? And you got Kenny, you got Shepard, you got uh, Slayton, you got Barkley. Offensive line is improving. The biggest problem is what is Daniel Jones? Is he going to be able to at least not give the ball away? And this is his biggest problem. We've seen Daniel Jones run the ball extremely well. He's a fast guy. I mean, you, his, his wheels were on par with uh, some of the best in the business. His arm strength is fine. When he hits him, he's, he's, he's good. But it's the turnovers, Chris, that, that really concern me. Yeah, I mean, ever since, I mean, heck, this, this goes back to Duke, you know, like these turnovers, it's not nothing new. He's the same quarterback that he was back then, whether it's fumbles, whether it's interceptions, he's just not making the right decisions. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, yes, they, they added Kenny Galladay at great addition. Absolutely. But is Kenny Galladay going to turn him into a more accurate quarterback that makes better decisions? I don't, I, I honestly don't think so. And I hope Daniel Jones can turn it around. I, I really do because he has, I mean, the man has more, more toys to play with on this offense than most teams in the NFL. You know, they added, they added John Ross as well. So they have a legit speedster on the outside. Don't get me wrong. I like Darius Slayton quite a bit, but John Ross is just that, you know, I'm just going to outrun you every single time kind of speed. Um, they added Kyle Rudolph for depth at tight end, you know, Evan Engram, who's had some injury issues and, some issues with drops as well. I don't want to say that he is uh, Eric Ebron light, but he's getting to that point where he makes these spectacular catches and then just drops the easy ones that are like inside the 20. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm with that. I mean, I'm such a huge fan of Kenny Galladay. Like, you know me, man, last year I was, I was yeah. pumping the tires. I was preaching them up. And this, this doesn't mean that it's over for Kenny, in my opinion, even if, even if say Daniel Jones increases his level of play, 30%. Let's, let's even go on the small. He goes up 30%. You know, he cuts his turnovers in half and he, he throws maybe what 15 more touchdowns. I mean, that is still a, likely a good season for Kenny Galladay, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of ifs and, and that's the problem. And then on the flip side, you see the giants building this defense, the way they're doing it. And I think it's, it's such a wonderful marriage in how they are building. And Dave Gettleman, he gets a lot of flack for some of the moves that he makes and, and rightfully so, but I think he's got this team moving in the right direction. I love this, this defense that they're building. I mean, when you look up front, you know, they have Leonard Williams, you know, controlling the middle of that defense. You have Dexter Lawrence on the outside who I do like. And the, that second level, Blake Martinez is a top three linebacker in the mm -hmm. NFL. I mean, top, top two, top three in tackles for mm -hmm. every year over the last four seasons. And then when you get to the secondary, this is the secondary where, and a lot of people may or may not know this, but the, the secondary had been the giants Achilles heel for years. I want to say since, 
since the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going, I'm going back to the days when they had Jason Seahorn, who I still think is one of the more underrated quarterbacks in NFL history. Mm-hmm. But that was, it was, it was a, the one position group that was a liability for the New York Giants, and now it has become one of their strengths. We saw James Bradbury had a phenomenal year last year. Logan Ryan, I think, was a little bit underappreciated for what he did last season as well. You have Jabil Peppers. They added a Dory Jackson who, yeah, he's had some issues, but I will say this. He is so athletic and so agile that if it weren't for the injury last season, he would have had a really solid year. I think that a Dory Jackson with Bradbury on the other side and with Peppers and Logan Ryan behind him, Killer. I do think that he has a much better season this year, and you see the real Adore Jackson in 2021. Agreed. And you got that youngster, what Xavier McKinney, behind Logan Ryan. And I mean, mm-hmm. the 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 transition. We talked about Patrick Peterson moving to safety, and and they did it with Logan Ryan. And look at that marriage. It was just beautiful, uh, magical. And 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 I I don't know, man. I'm I'm with you. I when they signed Adore Jackson, man, I put up my hands and I said, "Good God Almighty, this is uh, gonna be something to see um, this season." Because he's That's not he's not he's not a a cornerback one. He's not a sure. number one corner, shutdown corner. He is that secondary option that. You know, yeah, he, is he going to get beat from time to time? Absolutely, he will be. But he has the speed. He has the athleticism. He just needs that support around him. And he does have that in New York right now. Yeah, I, lo- I love every ounce. Of or I, I should say New, New Jersey because they don't New actually play. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The New Jersey. Gi- <laughs> There's only one New York team in the NFL. All right. <laughs> that's right. And that's the Buffalo Bills, baby. <sighs> Curtis Samuel, man. Curtis Samuel, we touched on him a little bit. I mean, I, I like it. I think it's good with this offense. Uh, we won't move forward with that, but I mean, you're of the same opinion. I think, you know, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's going to get a lot of the PPR work. I don't, I don't foresee him getting to be like how he was last year with the, with the Panthers going deep. You know, I think he's going to be that mismatch player that he was, he was meant to be in, in an yeah. offense with a guy like Terry McLaurin. Yeah. And it's going to open things up for McLaurin, you know, McLaurin who may have seen, you know, more double teams this year, isn't going to have as much attention because you're going to have to worry about the speed of Curtis Samuel. You know, you really do now need to worry about the, uh, the evolution of Logan Thomas, you know, controlling that middle of the field as well. Of course, Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick coming out of the backfield. So you have more weapons and now you have a capable quarterback that can accurately throw the football Yes, he's probably going to throw two to three interceptions a game at times, but he's also someone that you need to worry about and you can't just, you know, pin your ears back and go after the quarterback every time like you may have been able to do with an Alex Smith, a Dwayne Haskins or a uh, Heineke or Heineke, excuse me. (laughs) You have you have an actual capable quarterback now, so I think defenses are going to have to really be concerned about that. Yeah, a couple other ones, man. Is Will Fuller to Miami and Juju going back to Pittsburgh? These ones were intriguing to me. I mean, we knew if Will Fuller was going to end up somewhere. I mean, there was no way he was coming out of this open market without a team. And and the Dolphins go and sign him. I, I, I don't hate this for Miami. I think it's actually a good deal. I was a big Will Fuller supporter. Uh, I don't want to say the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we all liked what he could do. I've, I've, I've been appreciative. And then when he went off last year and again, here's the argument, was it the PEDs that set him off? And, and then he gets uh, suspended. What will Fuller are we going to see? And I mean, this is nothing but help for Tua. I completely agree. It's, it's nothing but help for him. It gives him another offensive weapon, gives him a speedster on the outside. Um, I will say this. I don't think the PEDs led to his production last season. His PEDs kept, kept him healthy last yes. season. And without those PEDs, I'm honestly, I'm excited to watch all five games that Will Fuller plays this season. All five of them. All five, I'm, I'm, yeah. su- I'm stoked. I can't wait. Um, I'm starting them in all five. And exactly. And what you do is though, you trade them after four and That's then it. you can just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think, I, I, think it's, I think it's a good, I think it's a good move for Miami. I would like to see, you know, where they have Devontae Parker, they have Preston Williams still. You got Gasicki at tight end. Uh, get your, I mean, and don't be wrong. I don't mind the running back situation. I think if they could get themselves a, a more reliable, you know, stable running back, um, I think that'd be even better, you know, build that offensive line to help protect your now second year quarterback. And I'd like the, I like the way in the direction that this offense is going because the defense is starting to catch up as well. So I'm the, the AFC East is going to be, it, it's going to be a bit scary over the next few years, I think. It's going to be a challenge, man. And you know, that kind of pisses me off. I thought we, I thought the bills were going to be, you know, where they should be. Just no, like, no. Oh. See, after the Patriots, after we lost Tom, <sighs> we decided, you know what? Hey, 
the AFC East is no longer going to be the freaking cakewalk that we had over the last 20, 25 years. We're going to make it difficult for the rest of the division now. It's difficult for everyone else now. You can't give it to no one else. Juju's a little bit of a shock to me. I'm surprised he went back. He, But he, mm. he showed. He showed his admiration to Pittsburgh. And he says, you know, I want to play here for my entire career. I mean, okay, Big Ben's coming back. You lost some offensive linemen. You lost some defense they're going to have to throw again. And, and I mean, coming off the season that they had, they don't really have a running back. I mean, are we really trusting Anthony McFarland to be the guy? So my, my opinion is either they're going to draft like a, a Mac Jones, if he falls, or they're going to draft a running back to help the running back room, like a Najee or a Travis Etienne. And, and you're going to see the, a very similar Pittsburgh team. You're going to see him pass happy. You're going to see 500 plus, if not 600 pass attempts from big Ben with the arm that's fallen off and, and put together with bubblegum. Yeah, I think personally, if, if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm drafting a quarterback first and then I'm mm. worrying about a running back afterwards. I think okay. quarterback has to be your number one priority um, because, I mean, who they have after after Big Ben is it, it's not the answer. All right. Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges are not what's going to be their future. And where you have a wide receiver core like Pittsburgh does now, it's just you need a franchise quarterback under center. Running back, you can get off a of free agency if you need to. You can find one in the second, third round of the draft this year, I believe. So, yeah, if I'm if I'm Steelers, quarterback first, then you're running back, and just continue to build that defense because that linebacker position has been injured so often throughout the years that they just need to. I mean, heck, I remember when they went like years and years and years in a row drafting nothing but linebackers, yep. you know, nothing but front seven players, and that was their mo. Get back to that after you know find some gems in the mid rounds and then just really start to build that linebacking core and that defense. It's funny how some teams can't get out of their own way with certain positional groups and some that just are like bleed it. it, it the, the Steelers it's wide receivers and front seven personnel. They just bleed and will these guys, man, whoever's in that scouting room. I mean, they need a raise for damn sure. Damn skippy. What else, man? Manny Sanders. We got to talk about Manny. We got to talk about Manny a little bit. Why? Because I want to, and it's it's our show, damn it, and I can do what I want and do what I please. So you're going to listen to my Manny Sanders talk. And you're going to like it. And you're going to like it, and you're going to comment, and you're going to say it was good. I'm just kidding. But Manny Sanders, the Bills let John Brown go. They they bring in Manny, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, and uh, I'm, I'm calling him Manny like he's my buddy, like I speak to him on the phone. But that's what we do. You know, and and, and hey, he's he's, to, ha- he's had wings from Buffalo now with you know, blue cheese. With the so blue cheese, so he's, he's he's home. He's home. He's home, man. And, and this is what we do. And and the thing is, when he first signed on, I was curious, and I was and I spoke to you guys about it as well because I was like, well, what really does this solve? And 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 we lost the speed with John Brown and that was kind of the MO like you're saying for the other teams, that was the MO for the bills. You know, John Brown was the speed Diggs was everywhere else. And then you'd have the gadgets and then you'd have the sidelines with Gabe and then, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, et cetera. And, mm-hmm. and now you got, you got a Manny coming in and, and what I read from one of the bills beat writers, and he actually put it to the point where he convinced me and, and I needed it because I was trying to, I was, I was, uh, and you know me, I'm a football guy. I understand this game but I really couldn't understand what the bills were thinking here. And, and what the way he put it was in that game versus Kansas city, they really struggled to get off the press coverage. And, and one of Manny's strengths is the fact that he can break coverage and his route running is superb. And if they can do that and, and Diggs is no, he was the only one basically getting open in that contest. Mm-hmm. So now if you have two capable wide receivers who can break press and get open and continue the timing, now you got a different Bills team now. You don't necessarily have to threaten deep because now you can nickel and dime down the field if you want to. You can still go deep if you want to. I, After he said that, I kind of liked it a lot more. I agree, but also in that in that game against the Chiefs, you, did, you didn't have a 100% healthy Cole Beasley either. Yes. Who's someone who is able to break that press and, you know, play, you know, that's his, that's his babies in the slot. That's where he is. And so where you bring in Sanders, you know, where how does that work how is that offense going to look because you're going to have digs on the outside most likely you're going to have uh dave uh you know gabe davis on on the outside as well and i believe i i saw that they did re-sign isaiah mckenzie yes so that's some more speed that you can add as well so i want i want to know where manny sanders kind of fills in is he going to play more in the slot is he going to play more outside is that going to take away snaps from beasley or from davis i'm a little bit confused by the signing to be honest with you because I, I don't think they had to sign him I think it was more for for depth, and that kind of worries me with with Davis and his 
and his growth and his potential in that offense. Yeah. So I was even, and I agree. And I, and I was, and I was thinking about it a little bit more, even so in saying now we, we talk about, I talk about at least I want the bills to get another running back because I'm not necessarily sold on the group they have right now, but this tells me, I mean, we saw the bills, they went primarily past happy in, in the latter part of the season, including the playoffs. They basically didn't run the ball in that Baltimore game. They didn't run the ball in the Kansas City game. And, and, and this was kind of how the offense was morphing. So maybe we start seeing four personnel. And, I was and, just going to say that. I was like, are you talking about going four wide with a tight wide. end? <laughs> four wide air, air raid. Let's go, man. Pin your ears back and see if you can stop us. And, and, and then, you know what? Let them blitz. Let them blitz. Now you got two capable slot guys in Beasley and Manny who can, who can basically dominate the entire middle of the field. And, mm-hmm. and if that is the case, I mean, now you got Jacob Hollister, you got Dawson Knox. Both guys can block pretty well. I mean, you got some mismatches you can actually play with. You know what? You convinced me. I don't hate it. Boom. I, I, if they, if that's what they do, then the, the Manny Sanders signing. And I don't know if he's going to allow me to call him Manny, but I'm calling him Manny because he can't hear me. I'm all for it. <laughs> you got to eat wings before you call him Manny. Josh Reynolds, man. I want to talk about this first because I don't think many people are talking about this yet. So definitely put your watch list on this, man. He goes and signs. He leaves LA. He goes to Tennessee I like this. I like this a lot for the fantasy community as a potential sleeper because he is basically right now the only wide receiver taken over for Corey Davis. And and with John AJ Brown, excuse me, he is still the grown ass man that we know is going to get that 120 plus targets. Mm-hmm. Josh Reynolds, man, don't be sleeping on this guy because he is a very similar skill set to a Corey Davis height, weight, speed, ability. Maybe not on the elite tra- uh, trajectory that we have, Corey Davis, but I mean, do not sleep on Josh Reynolds in this offense. No, I'm I'm okay with that. And I was even gonna I was gonna kind of pivot to a different player on that on that offense and, and Adam Humphreys and how he may be able to take over more of like a Cole Beasley role that he has in, he had in Buffalo. So, mm. um, no, I don't I don't mind the Josh Reynolds call at all. You know, especially where Tennessee showed that yes, they are going to be relying on the run game with Derrick Henry. But at the same time, this is a team that loves to throw the ball as well. So I do think there are going to be plenty of targets available for Reynolds. And he's someone that you can probably get, obviously. And I mean, the, the, not even the mid-round. I'm, just, I'm talking like late rounds. Like you probably get him like rounds 15, 16. Super cheap. Super cheap. Yeah. And if they, don't, if they don't add, and I think Humphreys is a free agent right now, so he hasn't even signed with Tennessee yet. So, I mean, this, this opens even the better. door even, even better, right? So this is what I'm saying. Now, all of a sudden, all the, the, the John who's gone, Humphreys gone. You got targets, baby. Josh, I'm, I'm saying it now. You watch this guy, everyone, fantasy football sleeper, wink, wink. So you, so I'm sorry, uh, Adam Humphreys is a free agent. Yes. Um, I'm actually surprised the Patriots haven't picked him up by now because they like to sign every mediocre wide receiver that's on the, that's on the board. So I, st- I still think they're looking at Danny Amendola. They want to bring back uh, Amendola. No, not after crap that he said. Not after the, <laughs> you know what, that he pulled. The Patriot way, the bus. you can say it, man. He, he was he was throwing you guys all under the bus. It was a Patriot way. Danny's not welcome in Foxborough. He's not welcome. Mohamed Sanu's still out there. You guys want Mohamed back again? No, we saw what happened the first time around. You can, we thought he was worth a second round pick. Good God. Yeah, it was one of one of Bill Belichick's better moves. No question, man. No question. Bill should be allowed to make defensive personnel moves and that's it. Leave the offense to somebody else. Yeah. We can tell by your wide receiver room right now. It's looking like the Texans room. It's just a bunch of guys. Hey man. Yeah. Except doing? for, except for one year deals. We gave three and four year deals. To these guys. It took guys like Kendrick Bourne, man. I mean, it's, it, which I not... will say I do like the Kendrick Bourne, sure, uh, yeah. move, but, and somebody, I saw a, a joke somebody made was, Oh, you know, it's great that the, that the Patriots picked up, uh, you know, Aguilar just means that he can now keep dropping passes in New England as opposed to Las Vegas. And that's what he does well, man. And Kendrick Bourne can only play, you know, like 40% of the snaps and sit on the sidelines. That's what he does. We should have gotten Will Fuller then because that way we could have maybe have gotten a full season out of the two receivers there. Yeah, and then when you lose them because maybe. of PED suspension, you could get another compens- uh, compensatory pick. Exactly. Yeah. Where's Brian Cushing when you need him as a strength you know, coach? 
And I got I got a bone to pick with you, man. You guys go and get a comp pick from Van Noy, and then you come back, you sign him, and then you're gonna let him go again, and you're gonna get another comp pick. Do you guys understand this? I mean, why is no NFL team doing this? This is the Bill Belichick way to revamp the roster every year, and he's been doing it for years. Like, years. He's been doing this for over a decade, and God. teams just haven't picked up on it. I mean, we literally got a fourth round comp pick for Van Noy when he went to Miami, and then Miami cuts him. We pick him back up, and so win-win situation. Win-win. You didn't have to pay him. You didn't have to pay him. It was it was like low rent deal. You yeah. get the pick back. You're gonna draft a rookie. You'll probably release Van Noy. He's gonna go in the open market, get signed by somebody else, and you get another fourth rounder. Yeah. Who would have known Kyle Van Noy was worth two fourth round picks, man? For someone who got paid like six hundred and fifty thousand dollars per tackle this past season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's not hurting. Oh, buddy. That's all I got, man. I mean, the free agent period is still going. We got scouting happening over there at the headliner. You once again, go check that out. Tell your friends and family because we got ice cream over there. Wait, really? Yeah, we got an ice cream machine now. This is news to me. I'm joking. Wait, do I get one here? Are you are you keeping it at your house? I'm keeping it at my house. But, you know, we're going to tell. How does that help me? But we're just going to tell everybody there's free ice cream just to get them to come. No, because then I'm going to get excited and I'm, I'm going to get disappointed because there's no ice cream because you know I like food. Sorry. And then I'm going to be sad. Sorry. Okay, we got no ice cream, but just come and bring your friends because it's good stuff. Over <laughs> <there>. <laughs> we'll close this one out, man. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Kennedy 318. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And on behalf of Chris, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.